0: Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier Podcast. It's your boy, Mac. And tonight, our Cleveland Cavaliers took on the Milwaukee Bucks for the fourth time this season. Jesus Christ. Thank the fucking Lord. We ain't got to see this team again, at least not until the possible postseason series that we're all hoping to get right at least i hope i am not alone in that thought obviously i want evan mobley i want Darius garland i want milwaukee to be at full strength i want cleveland to be at full strength i want to see this a as a seven game series i i would love to see it now uh, obviously i want to get you know i want to see cleveland get a revenge series against the new york knicks i hope that happens too but this is a close second for me i would love to see these two teams spar over the course of a seven game series but tonight man i i would typically reserve a a pot like this because i like to add in clips i like to show what happens during games I like to give my my, my point of view and comment on certain things but this is a big ass win and i felt the need to come on live and I, what better day to do it than a friday night right uh calves win by the score of 112 to 100 and there were so many different elements in this game that uh kind of led to it i mean i think the biggest thing that we all saw right was the officiating there were just so many whistles blown jesus there were so many whistles but i was getting tired of it and you know i'm not gonna sit here and act like it was just milwaukee because cleveland got the benefit of the whistle tonight too free throws free throws cleveland took 30 or they took 31 free throws tonight to milwaukee's 24 the worst part about this you might ask the rate at which cleveland converted Cleveland left 9 points on the board from the charity stripe. They got to hit those free throws at a higher clip. Now, thankfully, the Bucks didn't necessarily do any better. <laughs> they were 17 to 24. That's also good for 71% and they were obviously led, yeah. As TuneIn Sports says down here, not to not to switch up real quick. Refs still ass. I will double down on that. The refs are terrible in many regards, but I'm not going to poo-poo him too much just because Cleveland did get the benefit of the whistle tonight as well. The big thing to me was was Giannis, right? Giannis, despite drawing nine free throw attempts, he couldn't knock him down either. So I can't be too pissed. He was 4-9 from the free throw line. And what happened in that last game, right? Milwaukee was able to get 82 combined points from the trio of Chris Middleton, Dame Lillard, and Giannis who was just his phenomenal self in that game tonight. Not so much. Not so much from either you know, either of those three. 22 from uh from Dame, 22 from Giannis, and 14 from Chris Middleton. They have kind of cooled they they cooled him down a little bit. Noah Heritage says the Isaac Okoro agenda is about to be a full force fuck yeah it is. i mean th- if they don't start giving this man some all defensive consideration i'm gonna lose my shit i'm tired of the disrespect in regard to isaac okoro i'm tired of the disrespect in regards to carol i'm tired of disrespect in regards to dean wade i'm tired of it all man man just for anybody who d- does not understand the value of these players out there being able to defend on the perimeter and in the post fuck them I'm tired of it because people just do not understand what they are watching. For me, though, man, just tonight being able to limit Dame Lillard to 7 of 24 from the field, including 2 of 10 from distance, shows immense versatility from these guys. And I know Isaac kind of started the game out on Giannis as the switch up here. For a 6'5 forward guard, whatever you classify Isaac Okoro as, it just it just shows the the versatility of this young man who's still just twenty three years old. By the way, happy birthday to Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro, who share the same fucking birthday. That's got to be awesome. I love that. It says uh, it just these guys are so fun and they're so youthful. This is just still such a young team with a promising future, and for anybody to be down or negative on this team, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Obviously, the national media does not believe in Cleveland, but you have a lot of people in Cleveland who don't believe in Cleveland. I mean, I don't know. It's it, it's beyond me. But tonight's win, just phenomenal. You got really good performances from top to bottom. Even players you didn't quite expect to get them from. As Sven Gaming says, great minutes from Damian Jones. Though, in my opinion, yes, yes, Uh, Damian had a couple of stretches in tonight's game where I'm like, okay, you know what? And this is building upon some decent minutes in the previous game where he had two poster dunks over the likes of, I believe, Brook Lopez and Giannis gave some good minutes tonight as well and the one thing that we were saying when tristan thompson went down was hey it's not necessarily you don't have to go out there and be an all-star you don't even have to be a high-end role player you just have to give decent minutes a good 10 to 12 minutes in specific games depending upon certain matchups and damien so far since the double t suspension is doing that and so i love it uh just Four points tonight from from Damian Jones, but he did grab seven rebounds. And as TuneIn says, I don't want him shooting. But if he is open, I guess, I mean, look, TuneIn, the, the guy, if, the, if he's open, what have we begged our big men to do? Take the fucking shot. What have we begged them to do for the past couple of seasons to improve that spacing? Take the fucking shot. And Damian, he... You know, over the course of his career, I think I put out content on the. Oh, actually, it wasn't content. It was in the last pot. I gave his actual three point percentage, although it's on extremely low volume. Damian Jones is actually a decent shooter uh for what it's worth so you want him to pull the trigger especially if he's wide open unless you know you can move it for a better shot but over the course of his career he actually is a 37.9 percent shooter from three point distance so i'll take it if he's got the shot it's not it's not always going to be something that uh it's pretty but if he's wide open why not that's what you want out of the big man you want spacing right you want you want jared allen to do that theoretically at points and you want evan mobley to be able to do that as well and so i was very impressed with the damian jones minutes tonight elsewhere i i i was debating on whether or not i was going to mention this just because i am not the type of person typically to take a to take a proverbial victory lap oh I guess i kind of am i love to do it at certain points depending upon the topic but uh craig porter jr did not play tonight and the Cavs still won and those of you who out there uh who may be listening to this know exactly who i'm talking to because i kept seeing that this team would lose if they did not play craig porter jr tonight no disrespect to craig i'm a big fan i'm a big believer But this is why you play Karis LeVert still in that backup point guard role. He's not necessarily going to have the best shooting performance every single night that he's out there. But he is playing at a six-man-of-the-year level uh, pace this year. Or really just a six-man-of-the-year level play from him that you're getting this season. And so that is why he's out there at that backup point guard role. Because honestly, he is a combo guard. Not dissimilar to to the position that Donovan Mitchell is having to play uh, for, for the Cavs right now as he's doubling as the team's point guard. And he's been phenomenal in that role. Donovan had a great game tonight. We'll talk about him in a minute. But Karis Levert, this is why you play him in these in these matches. Not to mention the fact that he has considerable size compared to Craig Porter Jr. And he's a little bit more positionally versatile. So I love it. And for me, like I, I don't want to I don't want this to come off as me not liking Craig because those of you who are listeners know I'm a huge fan of Craig Porter Jr. But there are just certain things that people have to understand. And at, at full strength, there's just not enough room for everybody who's deserving of minutes to get minutes. Noah Harrison says at the end of the day, Sam Merrill just offers more value than Craig Porter Jr. Love CPJ, but Merrill gives us shooting we so desperately need sometimes. Fuck yeah, he does. And though Sam Merrill would finish with just seven points on three of six from the field tonight, the spacing that he generates, the gravity that he generates, it's very, very real. Like the entire world, we've been blessed here in Cleveland, right? We've gotten to see the 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 birth. I don't even know if you can call it birth because Merrill, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, is 27 years old. It's not like this is his first go around. He's been in the NBA for technically four seasons he is an nba champion for those of you who are unaware he won a ring with the milwaukee bucks during the 2021 or 2020 2021 season appearing at 30 games and two starts but uh yeah i mean merrill for what he is able to provide out there there's just not a lot of room for guys who deserve minutes and i you know as blaine mcveen uh, says down here at full strength, I get your point. Yeah, Blaine. No, I, I'm just messing with people here, obviously. But yes, we all want Craig to get time. But uh, guys like Merrill, guys like uh, Karis there, there's a reason why they're playing ahead of him. That said, when you're when you're taking a look at some of these other performances from top to bottom, the biggest thing that sticks out, obviously, is Donovan Mitchell. Another 30-plus point performance. This man just does it all. 32 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists on a pretty efficient 12 of 27 from the field, including 6 of 12 from distance, 6 more triples from this man. I mean, seriously, is there... In addition to a block and a steal, is there anything that he can't do out there on that basketball court? And if he is not a, a, a top five finisher for the MVP award this season, I don't know what to say. I don't know what this man has to do to get recognition because I honestly feel like he has done a bit of everything. And I know the biggest motivator for him tonight may have been the fact that he got uh snob jeez the least snubbed as tune in sports says down here by the very fucking player that he played against tonight and damian lillard for the starter in the east Bullshit on the nba it's truly a popularity contest and it just pisses me off to no end because we also know that we're probably going to have to rely on the likes of the assistant well, is it the coaches i think it's the coaches right the coaches that make the the final call on some of these other guys to get players like Jared Allen in. Because Jared is also very deserving. We'll talk about him in just a minute. But I, I just don't get it, man. Blaine says, how did Spider get that all-star vote? Get rid of fan votes. Fans don't know what the fuck they're watching, respectfully. I just don't get it. I, I really don't. You, How do you watch what this man has done? And I get it. Maybe it's just me being a... Um, being a Cleveland fan, being a Homer that I am, right? I'm I'm not ashamed to say that. We watch Donovan Mitchell on a nightly basis, and we get to see the genuine, you know, pleasure he has been to view on a basketball court, and some of the things that he's been able to do. But yeah, I mean, spin. Even if most fans are just watching the box score, he has a pretty fucking impressive box score. I mean, see, if you want to just go off a box score, he's doing things that very few players are doing. Uh, in the East, really in the league in general, I just, I don't get how you put Dame over him. Dame is a terrific player, and I get it. He can grade on people the way that Trey Young does in regards to, like, the foul baiting. Some of the, you know, if you're going around a screen and you're immediately jacking up a triple because you know you're going to get a call from these from these refs, right? I get that. It's all part of the game, but I just don't get why people would put Dame in over Donovan, considering what Donovan has meant to this Cleveland team and keeping them afloat on this season. This is not factoring in tonight's stats. I'm going to try and pull from stat news. Maybe they have it updated as I sit here and speak with you guys, but it, on this season, he is averaging 27.7 points, five and a half rebounds, 6.1 assists on a true shooting percentage of 58.4%. And he's done nothing but you, you know, the impressive, this season, while essentially being the, the the team's lead guard without Darius Garland for a significant stretch of games. Now, if I'm not mistaken, they are now 14 and four without the services of Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, and a lot of, like huge part of that is due to the the role players around him stepping up. Right, like your Sam Merrill's, your George Niangs, you, you know your your Harris LeVert's of the world, and so at some points, Craig. Porter Jr. really just on down the line, even double T prior to him getting or Dean wait throw him in there. Uh, really, everybody. It's been a collective effort, but at the top of that list is Donovan Mitchell, who is setting everybody up. It's just to me, I don't get it. Uh Jay Dias or Diaz says down here, Dame does nothing defensively and doesn't grab rebounds like Don either. I mean, just you just look at the tail of the tape here. Donovan is averaging 27, five and six. Dame is averaging 25, four and basically seven, right? On the numbers are similar, I suppose, but the impact in my opinion, it's not even remotely the same. Donovan Mitchell is the best player on this team. Dame Lillard has the benefit of playing with a top five player in this league and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So while people can focus on building a wall against damn near unstoppable Giannis, Dame can go in there and, you know, soak that up. And obviously that was probably what was so appealing about Milwaukee in the first place. I'm sure he's glad that he ended up there, right? I know that wasn't his top destination. I know he wanted to go to Miami, essentially. But he's got it made in the shade in in, in Milwaukee. And if you put, tell me, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm fucking insane here. But if you put Spider on that Bucks team, he's going ballistic besides uh beside the likes of Giannis if you place him there he, he's going ballistic Blaine says sixth in scoring two if I'm not mistaken yeah he's up there this might change after some of the fucking ridiculous games that we've gotten some of the ridiculous scores that we've gotten like the 70 plus point games that we're seeing now was it Luca I don't know I didn't, I didn't get to watch that game but I, I know there's been some gargantuan games that have been had today Booker I think had a big game uh Spida, second in steals, as Tunin says down here. Yeah, the defense. And even if you don't feel like Donovan Mitchell is a terrific on ball defender, he's obviously playing the passing lanes very well. He's a very good situational defender. Um, he, he's really, really good on picking up bigs. Uh, Noah Harris just says, I had a friend bet the under on Luka tonight. I, I hope you guys, anybody else in here listening, I hope you weren't in that bunch because. Luca absolutely obliterated the stat sheet tonight. Just phenomenal. That 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 dude is a basketball savant. I don't know. I I don't know how I missed this comment up here, but I'm gonna go back to it. HJ17 Gaming says Dean Wade needs to be the sixth man like how uh, Love used to be. I can't go that far. I do love Dean Wade, but I don't. I don't think I can go that far. And here's the conundrum for me, castmates. I love to hear your your uh, your comments in the bottom here. By the way at full strength and this is the thing to me like right now you can jb can kind of mix and match and plug and play with some of the like the seventh and eighth men ninth and tenth guys on in the rotation but at full strength when you did do get darius garland back when you get evan mobley back i i I question like what does this rotation look like because we are suddenly deep like seriously 10 to 11 different players uh deserve minutes right now and when you're talking about, I'm just I'm just going to reel them off real quick, just in case anybody forgot any of these names. Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Max Struess, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Isaac Coral, George Niang, Dean Wade, Craig Porter Jr., Tristan Thompson, I guess. And I feel like I'm still forgetting somebody. I still, Sam Merrill. How the fuck did I forget that? Sam Merrill. You cannot not have Samuel out there. That's that's essentially eleven to twelve different players who deserve minutes. And I don't envy JB at all. I continuously say this, but I really mean it. I do not envy JB Bickerstaff because he is ha- he is going to have to decide who plays, who doesn't, who sits, who doesn't, who gets who who gets uh, this certain amount of minutes and who doesn't. I I, I do not envy JB one bit because this is going to be excuse me, very, very tough to sort out. I I don't know what the the path is here because there are multiple paths you can take, but there are only 240 minutes available at any given point in an NBA game. So I don't know. It's going to be tough. I would love to know what you guys think. Who is in the rotation? Who is out of the rotation? Assuming that uh, assuming that JB goes at least nine deep, right? Jesus, you have to go at least nine. If this stretch has shown you at least anything, you have to go at the very least. And that's a floor. That is a fucking floor. It, that it, it has to be at least nine players because if not, you're cutting out a very deserving talent or, or talents in this case because this team is so deep. And I, I would love to hear what you guys have to say about that. But tonight, man, just phenomenal performance i i I really don't know what else to say they split with milwaukee on the season now two and two and as i said to open the pod i really would love to see this play out in a seven game series because i have ultra confidence that at full strength this cleveland team can take milwaukee out in seven games and i know that you're not always going to get a night where Dame shoots seven of twenty-four. You're not always going to get a night when the in uh, the free throws go your way, but you know this Cleveland team ironically matches up, in my opinion, despite the length. Because I- I'm not going to discount that Milwaukee has some real length on their squad. And you're talking about Giannis, you're talking about Middleton, you're talking about Brook Beasley. Uh, Dame is, yeah, <laughs> Dame is their smallest starter out there. Uh, Tune in says Mac you open my eyes on Dean Wade I used to nitpick but Dean Wade makes us better Defensively and offense when the shots volume. That is the fucking key right there That last bitch you said The shot The shot is what matters most in my opinion With Dean Wade because as of Right now If Dean Wade can pull the trigger And pull the trigger confidently More often than not it seems like He's going to make it and the question Therefore becomes at full strength Who do you play? Dean Wade or George Niang? Because likely only one of them is going to see minutes at the backup power four position. And I just don't know, man. It's tough. Like, I love Dean Wade and I don't want to pull his minutes, but he has to be able to pull uh, pull the shot more often than not, especially when you're talking about Niang providing spacing himself. Essentially, if you could take the the, the confidence that you have in, from the from, from George Niang and from an offensive standpoint, and put it with Dean Wade's defensive capabilities, you would have the perfect backup power forward. Seriously, you would. But on, obviously, that is, that can't exist right now. <laughs> it's not possible. You can't fuse two people like you can in BBZ or something. But. Um, it's it's going to be Niang or it's going to be Wade. And obviously right now, that's a tough question to answer. It could be situational. It could be if Dean Wade is struggling with confidence and he's not pulling the trigger, then you have to go with Niang. It could be that if Niang is struggling from an offensive standpoint, you say, fuck it, Dean Wade can't really be any worse from an offensive standpoint, and you put him out there. And I, I know that comes off as me saying Dean Wade has been terrible, but he's not, man. During the stretch wade is he's been very very impressive from beyond the arc i'm gonna get the numbers for where he's at in regards to three-point shooting on the season because tonight's numbers are no doubt going to help that but again wade is not necessarily taking the shot with a ton of frequency on this regular season in 36 appearances according to StatMuse. muse he is averaging 41.3% from three-point distance on the season. But the kicker here is the amount of attempts that he has taken, right? He's not shooting the ball at a high clip. It's just not what is occurring. Tonight's numbers and basketball reference is not going to factor tonight's game in, but it's not really going to matter all that much because on the season as a whole, he's only taking four and a half shots per game, including 3.8 threes. In order for him to be a part of the rotation, he's likely going to have to increase those numbers. That's essentially what's going to be the battle between those two. If Dean can shoot the ball, I don't know, four or five times a game from three-point distance off that Cavalier bench, he probably plays ahead of Niang because he obviously gives you more from a defensive standpoint. That's just where I stay in with this. And for a team that was so depraved of spacing last season, that's what you need, especially come the postseason. You're not not going to have three-point shooters out there. And that's why players like Sam Merrill have become so important. And again, back to Merrill, who played 17 minutes tonight and just scored seven points. Um, The spacing, even if they're not knocking down shots, the spacing is what truly opens the floor. The gravity generated is what opens the floor for this team, and especially for the drivers, when you're talking about players like Darius and Donovan and Karis, Craig Porter Jr. if he ever sees run at full strength, um, that spacing that players like Merrill and Niang provide, that is key. And if Dean Wade can pick up on that and he can get that confidence, that same confidence that uh, the G wagon as Charles the II says down here has, that's going to be the difference. Now Charles is of the belief at this rate, Dean Wade is out of the rotation come playoff time. That's probably where it's going to start. But I can definitely say with confidence that if Niang starts, if his shot starts to not fall, you're probably good. The first person you're going to call in that regard is going to be Dean Wade because he does offer you high level uh, defense compared to what Niang gives you. And so that is where I am at on that. Isaac Okoro. Let me just circle back to him. Three points. And this is this is the thing that I will say about Isaac Okoro. If you are a box score watcher, if you simply do not watch the games and you're simply going off of the box score, you're not going to feel like Isaac Okoro had a good game. And that could not be further from the truth. The box score just does not do players like Isaac Okoro justice because their value cannot be quantified by simple box score stats. Your points, your assists, your rebounds. You can't quantify what he brings to the table from a basic stat line. Standpoint. You can look at the advanced analytics. You can look at the, you know, the, the matchup specific numbers, but obviously the, the casual or average viewer may not be able to discern what they're actually seeing versus what he provides. Charles Whitlock says, God bless ice. He's so damn impactful. You can tell he's been on the lab this offseason." season. Yeah. And Charles, what have we always said about Isaac? It's always about confidence. Very similar to the way it is with Dean Wade. It's always about confidence with Isaac Okoro, And as long as he's playing confident basketball, he can be impactful no matter uh, if his shot is falling or not. Because he's another player who is not going to attempt a ton of shots. And frankly, in a lineup that consists of Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley, you probably don't want him to, right? Especially when you've just factored in Max Struess into all this as well. You probably don't want him taking a ton of shots, but the ones that he does take, you want him to be able to capitalize on, and you want him to be able to do that confidently. That's the biggest thing, and the biggest indicator of the work that he's put in this season is is how confident he looks out there, and Dean Wade is drawing from the same well of confidence as well. So I love it. Both of those guys are providing high-level impact. I hope the return of Evan Mobley and Darius Garland doesn't fuck that up too much, But I don't know. It's really going to be a a tall task for JB to kind of sort out. And I again, I do not envy him. Jose A says, I can't believe people say that DG and Evan make the Caps worse. The Cavs get back another playmaker and our anchor on defense. I don't get it either, Jose. Like for me, I know that there's going to be an adjustment period. There is no way around it. That is inevitable. You will have to figure out who is in the lineup, who is out of the lineup, who gets specific minutes and specific rotations and how to best play with this newfound swagger, this newfound spacing. There's a couple of different things they're going to have to sort out. But to say that they're wor- they make the Cavs worse—that's just utter folly. I don't understand that. I've never understood that. I feel like people. What this run has done to people's brains—it's just rot, right? They've allowed people's true opinions of those two to come out, and that, I, I don't. If you really want to watch how how quickly somebody's opinion can either change or how their true opinion can come out, just wait till they're not out there, right? Wait, wait till their impact. Is felt in either a positive or negative fashion, and that's when the real opinions will start coming out. Tune in, uh, tune in says fans going to be fans, and, and far be it for me to shit on anybody's opinion because that's all I'm giving you. This is my opinion. I'm not giving y'all facts for the most part. I'm just giving you opinions. Whether you believe them or not, that's on you. But. Uh, nevertheless, um, you know, I just never understood people shitting on Darius shitting on Evan saying, "Hey, we don't need these guys, they make us worse, we can trade them things of like of uh, that nature. I just never understood that, and yeah, I just I don't know man i'm I'm not there with them again, I said this uh, you know when uh when the news came out that Darius Garland got the wire removed from his jaw, right that you're really just going to there's going to be an adjustment period there will be an adjustment period when they return as long as you can understand that and just kind of give it time to gel again then it'll probably be okay and for all the people out there saying well you know the two big thing don't work well look this this is the thing right here they brought in max strews to address the lack of spacing and granted max strews is not knocking down three-point shot like we would have hoped but he still provides spacing And so what they will likely do is continue to stagger the minutes of the two bigs, much like they did last season. FYI, they were doing that shit last year. They just didn't have the shooters that they have now. And so now it's going to look even better. Uh, You you don't have to play. And this is newsflash for anybody who is unaware. You don't have to play your two bigs for the whole game together. You don't have to do that. You never have you, you never have had to do that. The the difference between this year and last year is that they actually have shooting and spacing around them now to make it work. You now have Max Struess. You now have the league's perhaps best shooter in Sam Merrill. You now have George Nian who can go out there and knock down, knock down shots. You have a confident and healthy Dean Wade. You have Isaac Okoro who's pulling the trigger more. You have Karis LeVert. The list goes on and on and on. This is a much different team, much different dynamic than last year. And so if you're worried that Darius Garland and Evan Mobley are going to kind of throw off the the chemistry and the ebb and flow of what is, has occurred in their absence, just understand that there is a necessary adjustment period that is coming the Cavs way. But that's not a bad thing. Their additions or rather readditions to the lineup do not hurt the Cavs. They make the Cavs a better team. That gives the Cavs a higher ceiling. It truly does. And so the thing that I got to say about that, the last thing that I'll say is just just be patient. And I know that as fans, that's not our strongest suit or virtue, but that's just the, the reality of the situation. So as long as you can be patient, as long as you can understand, understand that there will be an adjustment period, you'll be okay. But for me tonight, I'm just taking it all in uh stat that i love of the night how could i go without mentioning jared allen pulling down yet again another double double 14 in a row for this man i had somebody on social the other day and i know social is not necessarily something you want to hear about on a pod but i'm gonna say it anyway somebody mentioned to me that the streak is not all that impressive and that he's just you know the the double double is overvalued in some cases it is when you take a look at who he actually broke that record over it was andre drummond and people look at andre drummond's tenure in cleveland as a you know just a bad time because it was part of the rebuild and they're there were definitely some times where you're like, man, what the fuck is Andre gentlemen doing out there? He's just goofing off, you know, and he definitely pissed me off during his tenure. And so him having the record or sharing the record rather with Elmore Smith, I believe, Um, that definitely probably puts a damper on, on the double, double streak itself, but the sheer consistency that Jared Allen has been able to do this with, in addition to the stats that he has given you along with that, that in my opinion is what makes Jared Allen's play during this stretch and streak. So damn impactful. I just don't understand for the life of me, why people cannot just give this man his respect, I, I don't get it, people. It's the Knicks series. I, you know, at the end of the day, I get it. People saw that series and they're like, man, the the they saw the lights were too bright, quote, and they just thought to themselves, this this man has no reason being in the NBA. He's not he's not a big man. He's soft. You don't want players like that over your, on your team. And they just they they used it as ammunition to fuel a lot of different narratives. And I just don't. Understand Understanding to, tonight and in the previous games during this streak, really just all season to be honest, Jarrett has kind of dispelled those very narratives. They're just dead. They're gone. The narrative that Jarrett Allen doesn't play well against other elite big men—it's dead. He's played in Milwaukee very well all season. In context, in regards to this streak matters, right? You look at what he's been able to do—the numbers that he has been able to put up it's just phenomenal man and i'm i'm talking this whole time while i'm trying to for the life of me pull these stats up but i'm failing miserably over his last 14 games all double doubles he has put up 18.8 points 14 not just 10 not just 10 or 11 boards but 14 14 14.1 rebounds in addition to 4.1 assists, 1.1 steals 1.4 blocks and he's shooting 61.8 percent from the field he is doing some really really good shit out there and i really i hope the streak continues for as long as it can you know maybe he starts doing some shit that, that that wilt does i don't know but this is just a, a fun ass streak and if you're not a fan of the streak, then i don't know why i, I really don't know how you, you can watch what he's been able to do and just not enjoy it because it's awesome Jose says he's not even technically in his athletic prime and he's this good, amazing player. Not somebody asked me the other day in a comment in, in, in a piece of content, how better, how much better do you think Jared Allen can actually get? And honestly, I feel like this, right? Obviously he's not at his true athletic prime, but I feel like if, even if this is his apex, like even if this is the best Jared Allen, the best version of Jared Allen that we will ever get this is a damn good player this is an all-star caliber center he may not be able to space the floor from three-point distance but he's got a lot of other tools in the shed he has a killer mid-range game that i really wish he would take advantage of more he rebounds the basketball like few do in the league these days He, he he is a ultra threat as a lob he is an elite rim protector He's elite in transition. There's just so many different things you can point to for Jared Allen. And he can switch, right? He may not be Mobley out there in that regard, but he is among the better switching bigs in in this NBA. And so I I have nothing but respect for him the way that he has come back and just battled the boo birds and just changed public perception in a lot of regards in regards to his, you know, just the public opinion of him. Through his play. He didn't come out, he didn't chirp he didn't say, fuck you guys. <laughs> you know, he didn't go into his into his shell, right? He just came out and played and worked hard. And you're seeing the benefit of what it what hard work really does for you. And he he obviously had the offseason that was kind of stunted because of the injury. And he got off to a slow start. Because of that, he was on a minutes restriction, yada yada. But over this stretch without Evan Mobley, and this is why people keep circling back to the whole big thing, right? um because you're able to play four out well four 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 spacers with the one big you're able to do that and yes i will acknowledge that that is a component to why the Cavs have been so successful during the streak but you can still do that when you have emily back you just have to stagger them a little bit more than you did last season tune in says i'm over the Knicks series i believe in Allen this season with this squad i do too i feel like Allen drew the brunt of the criticism for that series but he wasn't the only one that played shitty basketball. Darius Garland, he had an okay series from a number standpoint, but he wasn't consistent at all. Donovan Mitchell completely shit the bed. And, you know, Isaac Okoro, we know that he didn't get enough minutes to really make a solid determination, but he couldn't space the floor. Karis LeVert was probably your best reserve. Dean Wade was technically, in my opinion, still injured and didn't have his confidence whatsoever. So he was an afterthought. He didn't really play. You can really just point to anybody on that in on that roster last season and just say, you know what, this team is a collective Played shitty basketball and that's why they lost and so jared allen in particular was singled out because of his quote and because of the matchup against mitchell robinson and admittedly i would be the first motherfucker to tell you mitchell robinson outplayed evan mobley and jared Allen. that that is true two things can be true jared allen is not a shitty basketball player he's not soft in my opinion And it can also be true that Mitchell Robinson outplayed him, and I'll leave it at that. I know I've been harping on Allen for a while, but I just, for the life of me, I cannot understand why people just have not found it fit to give this man his respect. And I've seen a lot of people say, "Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give him his flowers until, you know, until the playoffs because that's all that matters." Well, no shit, the playoffs do matter, but the regular season does too. (laughs) I just, I've never understood that line of thought. Though overall, on the night, I've done a ton of rambling. I just could not come on here and and talk about that. It's just been a really good night in regards to every single one of these guys who saw the floor tonight. Even Damian Jones, as I said before, giving you some quality minutes tonight in the absence of Tristan Thompson. Jose says, hopefully Allen can make the all-star team. I really hope so, man. I really hope that the, the NBA really rewards him for the basketball that he's been able to play. Richard E. Quimby says, you will see 12 minutes every game, Mobley and Allen playing a part, as well as Garland and Mitchell in 24 minutes a game. They will all play together. They can still play much the same as they have. Absolutely. You just stagger the minutes a little bit more. And what also has not been really mentioned too much is the fact that you can now, and they did this last season because Darius Garland did miss some time last year to begin the season too, after getting poked in the eye by Gary Trent, I believe. Um, donovan mitchell's turned into like the nba's one of the nba's top three combo guards if not the best one out there and he's proven to you time and time again now throughout the streak that he is more than capable of operating as the team's lead guard and so i probably will probably see a lot more stretches where uh donovan is playing with the reserves or darius is playing with the reserves not necessarily coming off the bench right but staggering their minutes so that one of those two can be on the court at all times as the lead guard. Azuma Film says, what about Merrill's inability to separate? I I don't need that out of Merrill. Um, but Merrill is one of these tricky guys out there that, you know, you might to evaluate because you might think that he's just a three point shooter and a floor spacer, but he's actually more than that. He's actually over. He's above average at facilitating. He's a decent rebounder. He is a actually uh, a very good point of attack defender in his own right. He's not Isaac Kocoro out there, but he can hold his own more than most out there at his position. And he's actually a pretty good cutter. He does some things out there that uh, that will legitimately wow you, even without shooting the basketball. And so even if he's unable to separate, you don't necessarily need him to do that. As long as you can get him looks coming off the of screens, you can get him spotting up in the corner and you have ball handlers speeding him, it'll work it'll work itself out uh hj17 gaming says hot take dean Wade should be the sixth man somebody suggested that earlier was it you i don't think it was somebody else did i don't agree with that sentiment uh but actually yes it was you (laughs) same same comment um i don't agree with that sentiment but uh he he definitely has shown that he is deserving of minutes but the problem is that not everybody can play Especially knowing JB, we're probably not going to see an expanded rotation. Maybe nine, hopefully 10, but not everybody who deserves minutes is going to play. So somebody may be the odd man out. And in regards to Wade, when Mobley comes back, it's probably going to come down to a battle between Wade and Yang for this backup power four minutes. Soft Taco says, Love me some Allen. Just got a numbered RPA card of his. That's awesome. Uh, TuneIn says, I still want to see CPJ play. We all do, man. Like, and I I started this this pod off earlier, and it probably sounded like I was shitting on Craig Porter Jr., what I'm not. I'm just stating the obvious. Craig Porter Jr. should not be playing over LeVert. And so right now, especially with Merrill's ascension and Isaac Okoro playing really well, and then Niang spacing and Dean Wade looking like he deserves minutes too. Where do you play him? Where do you get those minutes outside of maybe a blowout or if one of the one of these guys is struggling? He just won't play consistently. And honestly, it's probably, it's okay. He's young, he's still on his two-way contract until they convert him, and there's no rush in my opinion. It's the exact same way I feel about Amani Bates who probably had, who could help you at some capacity at the NBA level right now as a floor spacer, but does that mean he necessarily has to? No. Uh, we want to see it, but we may not uh, too frequently. Uh, Richard says, exactly. Always have Garland and Mitchell on the floor as well as Mobley and Allen. You can play the spacing. The trouble will be getting Merrill minutes as George and Wade and O'Vert always play. And that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. People were shitting on me the other day because of that Craig producing your stuff, leaving them out of the rotation. And the reality is just that at full strength, when you have Darius, when you have Donovan, when you have Karis, when you have Coro, there's just not enough room for all guards, especially a smallish guard who does happen to play above his list of size, right? But especially for a guard who doesn't necessarily space the floor consistently, like almost everybody else that I mentioned does, with the, maybe the exception of Isaac, who is still still becoming a better shooter. But I would say at this point in time that you could probably call Isaac Okoro a more threat, more of a threat from three point distance than you can Craig Perry Jr. That is another aspect that hurts his game. Yes, the floor does open up when you play him. Uh, he, he is an excellent driver. He's an excellent rebounder for his size. It, above average facilitator. Really good in that regard. Above average defender. But there are just too many mouths to feed. And so while we all want to see him play, the reality is right now we just we, it's hard to do. Um, Yeah, and this is a sentiment right here. If you're watching on YouTube, Richard says, Personally, I would see if Merrill can take some minutes from Max and a few from LeVert. I mean, that's probably where the Cavs would lean to. I think tonight Max played 35 minutes. Levert was up there too. I think he played 24, maybe 25. But those two are probably the most likely candidates for Merrill to steal minutes from. And at full strength, I put like a generic example out there. Um, at full strength, I see Merrill probably playing around 16 to 17 minutes, maybe even 18. And it'll be highly dependent upon how Max is playing, how Karras is playing. Maybe even you can throw a Coro in there as well, but there are only a handful of players that you can really take minutes from. And that's what makes this so damn difficult to forecast in regards to the rotation, because there are just so many players out there deserving of minutes. Um, But I will take that any day of the week. It is a good problem to have much different issue than we had last season when we were practically begging for anybody to go out there as a reserve and give us consistent production. Dennis D1122 says Levert has been clutch. Yeah, I mean you look at his shooting stats on the night, they're not perfect, right? And I, I'll acknowledge that. You, it's not every day that uh Karis Levert is going to shoot three of ten from the field and the Cavs are gonna win, but you know, he hits timely shots, he, he gets timely assists, he makes plays defensively. Then he just does some things that some players are not capable of doing all in one package, right? And so I think that at this point in time, the vert is... I keep pining for him to be in six man of the year consideration, which he probably won't win the award. But he's been that impactful this year, and so I, I also believe that he's been clutch. Azuma film says, "What do you think is going through the Bucks heads and fan base?" Um, what I think about what's going through their their heads right now is they're trying. There, there's an adjustment for the for them in regards to Doc Rivers, right? And so they made a coaching change, letting go of Adrian Griffin. Uh, and and going to try and see how this Doc Rivers tenure plays out. And those of you familiar with Doc Rivers playoff records, he, the dude blows a ton of leads. He's a great regular season coach, but I honestly I would not want Doc Rivers as head coach because it just kind of it, <laughs> it, it kind of reeks of a impending series lead being blown. And I don't wish that on anybody, but uh, it would not surprise me if it happened with Milwaukee, given his uh, backstory in uh, 10 years. Yeah. Tune in says Doc Rivers is overrated. He's been coaching for a long ass time. Like he falls into the category of retread. And by no means is he a bad coach, right? Like I said, he's a great regular season coach and he has a championship on his resume, but it's 2024. That championship came in 2008, 16 fucking years. The man hasn't won a title in 16 years, and I'm not gonna shit on him about that too much. But I mean, it's been a while, and he's had opportunities. Uh, it just, it just, I don't, I, I don't understand why people keep falling for the Doc Rivers track uh, trap. <laughs> I, I don't, he does. The motherfucker always finds a job. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. There, I, I really honestly felt like Adrian Griffin had a had a solid lead on uh staying there for a while, right? He's he had he's had a pretty good season thus far and I hated to see what happened to him, but it's not like we haven't seen this type of thing before with you know David Blatt. We've seen that in our past, uh, with David Blatt actually having a pretty good record and then being let go and Tyloo taking over. And who am I to argue about the results of that? Because it got us a championship. Tyloo was the man for the job at that point in time and I can't argue with the results. And so maybe it'll work out for Milwaukee, but I'm if I if I had to put money down on it because I am a betting man, I do play some parlay every now and then. Um, I would be willing to bet that it's not going to result in a championship, and that's just where that's my thought process behind it. But yeah, I don't know how this dude always finds himself as the head coach of a team. I just don't get it. Um, and and for a lot of people, like. They were, as Toonin says down here, I don't hear fire JB no more how I used to. No. if To me, like, JB has earned his stay. Like, even after that shitty playoff... Uh, that shitty playoff showing that he had. And I'll admit that. Like, I'm... You want to call me a JB apologist or the the ultimate homer? Because like, people throw that at me all the time. I don't fucking care. I'll tell you I'm a homer to your face. But for people to use that one playoff series against him is like to write him off as just a piss poor playoff coach i don't get it you know it's one series he does have a shitty playoff record that stems back to his uh houston rockets days he did lose a series there but he has two i think he's two and two and eight right Is that his record overall i need to go back and check in the playoffs but he can remedy that by having a good postseason this year and i think this is the season that jb does that i think jb will at the very least win a playoff series i think the Cavs win in the first round at the very least that's the baseline is that is that me saying i feel like that's all they're gonna do or that's their ceiling hell no i feel like this team has a very high ceiling i feel like this team at the very the ceiling at this point in time for me is the eastern conference finals if shit keeps going the way that it has been this season Cavs might be able to beat anybody and that includes boston but i haven't seen enough for them from them for me to label them a legit contender as TuneIn says down here beat in the knicks uh beat the knicks in the first round would be great i want to see that fucking series just like i want to see this go seven games with milwaukee because we all know to be the man you got to beat the man Cavs have some demons to exercise and that cannot be done until the postseason the regular season at least in there in this regard because normally I advocate for the regular season mattering because I still feel like it does in many regards but in, in in the case of the Cavs they are no longer being evaluated on how they do necessarily in the regular season especially JB Biggerstaff, he is no longer being evaluated on how many games he wins in the regular season. He is being evaluated on how many games he wins in the postseason. Can you win a series? Can you win two? Can you do it dominantly? Some questions that cannot be answered until the playoffs come around. And as currently construed, as of right now, the Cavs are at the four seed. That means that they could play the Knicks. If the playoffs ended today, they would face off against New York. I would absolutely love that. To be honest with you, I hope it stays that way. I do. I truly do. I want these two teams to do battle again. I want to see Cleveland get revenge. Because I feel like we're equipped. I feel like we are equipped to respond. I want Jared Allen to have the ultimate revenge series. And I want people to give that man his damn respect. It would mean nothing. (laughs) You know, it would mean so much to me to be able to see that but time will tell dennis says jb is not x's and o's type of coach and i stand by that but i believe our team is just that talented you overshadow that fact uh, jb is no lie jb's not perfect he has his warts. he, he has struggled with atos at certain points and when to call challenges and things and by the way he want a challenge tonight <laughs> He actually want a challenge and I'm glad that happened. It saved, it, it kind of stunted the momentum from Giannis getting ready to earn some free throws after, was it elbowing? I believe it was elbowing Jared Allen. I'm so tired of our players getting hit in the face, by the way. I'm tired of it. It just, it happens way too often. Derek's gone has, has really been the poster child for that over the past couple of seasons of just getting smacked or elbowed or punched, poked. In the eyes, and the face, I'm tired of that shit happening. I need some. I'm not calling for retaliation. I'm not that type of dude. But Jesus, man, I'm tired of seeing that shit and it just going unchecked. I don't know. It, it it's cost us some games certainly, but luckily the Cavs, <laughs> the Cavs have been able to 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 weather the storm here. Juden says D G got to wear a face mask. Yeah, I mean, you broke your fucking jaw. I mean, I i mean i don't know i'm not i'm not a punk or anything but i i mean i got my jaw broke i probably would want to sit things out for a little while and let that shit heal up not trying to be kanye west out there but uh i don't know i'm tired of these guys getting hit in the face and elbowed in the face and Giannis, you know whether it was inadvertent or not it just it it kind of sucked to see that kind of play out again so hopefully he's uh, he he looked to be okay but uh all things considered, when taken into uh, t- tonight's game and this season series against Milwaukee into consideration, this Cavs team is, is is ahead of schedule in my regard, in many regards, because they've gotten to see how much depth they have without Darius and Evan out there. They've gotten to see how the added spacing looks, and they've really, honestly, been able to to circumvent a large stretch of basketball when they probably should have or should be down further in the standings than they are right now sitting at fourth and and winning a ton of games they are you know just to throw this your you guys' way if you haven't checked out the standings in a while although i'm sure you probably have boston as the number one seed is sitting at 35 and 10 milwaukee after tonight's loss is 31 and 14 and then you have philly who's directly ahead of cleveland they're at 29 and 14 that puts cleveland seven games back from the first seed i don't think they will climb up there they're probably not going to make that that leap the highest i can see this cleveland team climbing honestly is the three seed in the regular season that's the highest i see them going because milwaukee's not going to fall off boston's not going to fall off and philly's going to keep doing their thing and so right now I feel like that's probably the, the, in regards to the standings in the regular season, that's probably where they they cap off as a three seed. Richard says, trouble with Knicks is Brunson might be better to start a core in place with Garland to guard him most of the time. I I mean, I can't do it, man. I cannot bench Darius Garland. I feel like you kind of have to, you, you got to have to figure it out. Darius Garland is one of your top three players. It's the same debate that people are having with starting Dean Wade over Evan Mobley, which is Ridiculous, by the way, but it's the same conversation that they're having from a defensive standpoint uh, on this end with with Garland and a spacing in with with Wade versus Evan. Um, for matchup purposes, I get why you might want to do that, but I just, you you don't bench your 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 star point guard. You don't do it. Um, I, so I can't agree with you there, but I understand why you feel that way because Brunson is on tear this year been phenomenal for new york and after they added og that just adds another dynamic uh to them so i'm i'm curious to see how things play out but if the season ended today i still feel confident about that series like if the Cavs had to play the knicks tomorrow in a seven game series um i would still feel confident as as long as we are healthy obviously these are all hypotheticals we don't have evan back we don't have darius back but at full strength if the series started tomorrow i would feel good about that matchup um glad that we have some time to put between then and now because that allows players to get healthy but uh feeling good man i've been on here for a while i'll I'll stop rambling because i feel like that's all i've been doing all pod but i hope you guys enjoyed tonight's win i hope you enjoyed tonight's pod uh if you're still here and you're not a subscriber remedy that click the like button subscribe do all those things help me out here a little bit (laughs) uh but as always tell you guys if you would like to reach out to me you know how you can it's cavalier underscore pod on twitter TikTok, instagram youtube and more if you'd like to be added to the Cavalier discord chat you know what to do, leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of uh, said review to iscapular53 at gmail.com, and I will send you an invite. Man, I fuck that up all the time. <laughs> so thank you, long-time subscribers, longtime listeners, listeners, uh, for, for listening to me and sticking by me, Mess that up a million times. Go Cavs, have a good night.